Hi, this is Chris Leone, and you're listening to another episode of Add Your Two Cents. Down in your sea of pins and feathers and all of the instruments. Today I'm speaking with Claire Van Steenwijk. He has run for election against Jeff Flake and Trent Franks. Back in the 1970s, Claire started a halfway house in Southern California where he met his wife. He is 100% Dutch and he is running for the Arizona State Senate in District 22 as a grassroots Republican. speak with you because I've listened to your podcast and your and your interview with Jim O'Connell who's running uh, for the Arizona Corporation Commission and you mentioned something that really interests me. You call Jim a grassroots Republican. Tell us Van, what is a grassroots Republican? I there's other people that might have other definitions like an activist that's not really up in the party. I look at a grassroots Republican as someone who's fervently committed to the U.S. Constitution and will comply to it and expect those who run and, and are in office to comply to it. And also if you're going to run on, on, as a Republican, the Republican Party has a platform. You're supposed to not just stand on it. You're supposed to live by it. And we have a number of people in Arizona, a number, almost all of them in office, who don't comply with the platform. In 2016, we had a, a number of Republican legislators, such as the man I'm running against, Mr. Livingston, and Mr. Mesnard, Boyer, Kearns, uh, Rick Gray, and LD21. They're all over the place that voted for the national popular vote, which in the Republican platform is against the na national party for having a national yeah. popular vote. What, you're, what yeah. you're referring to for our listeners is to elect our president via By a national popular, popular vote, vote which versus means, what we have as a representative democracy yeah. and an electoral college. And we have I a think republic. We, some state, right. And some states, I believe, just for our listeners, um, uh, assign all the electoral votes based on a winner take all, and some, I think, apportion them out, right, depending on. Well, what, but they, what, what you're saying is that this national popular vote mechanism would elect our president, would eliminate the Electoral College, right? Basically. And basically, the national popular vote, so it would give greater weight to states like California and, and, and New York, where you have. You, the, the, the two coasts yeah, would, would, would elect dominate, the president, would end up electing And the president. rest of us would just take the crumbs we have left, and you could kiss goodbye to your republic. And when these Republicans voted for the, the NPV, the national popular vote here a couple of years That's ago, great. in the House, You've got four of them, the four I mentioned, Mesnard, Boyer, Livingston, and Gray, all now running for the Senate. Now, one of them said, I'd never vote for it again. You think I believe him? And the lobbyist that promoted it is still promoting it, getting paid by someone out of California and running these campaigns. Yeah. Now, come on. How dumb do these people really think we are? So you wouldn't call, so you're saying, Clearly, that's not a grassroots Republican, because a grassroots Republican would have known that the platform firmly is against, well, it's it, local representation is at the core of the Republican platform. It's that, it plus, it's plus, it's that plus the, con the U.S. Constitution. 
they took an oath to abide and uphold and defend the Constitution, right? Right. And the vote for the national popular vote violates part of the U.S. Constitution. What part? Tell us. Uh, article 4, not Article 4. Yes, Article okay. 4. Well, I don't, section, I don't mean article. article 4, Section 4. But is it, what's the verbiage in the Constitution? It's Basically, our, so we, each, uh, the federal government guarantees each state a Republican form of government. Right. I think and, I know it is Article 4. Guar- yeah. The Constitution guarantees a representative democracy. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and if they did the MPV, you wouldn't have a representative. Right. So therefore, right. they voted against right. the very Constitution. They've taken an, a sworn oath to defend. Right. For me, they're not fit for office. And and my point to that would be like, someone said, well, you know, people make mistakes. Benedict Arnold made a mistake. <laughs> and then he left the country. I wish these people would do the same damn thing. Just leave office, never run again. Basic civics, a basic understanding of civics and history would have told them not to do it. But they served the lobbyist and a special interest group rather than the people. Because we had meetings about this in RLD and RLD was firmly against the national popular vote, and Mr. Livingston voted for it anyway. And he has made a statement very clearly, my wife heard him, because I had some information at an LD meeting this past month in July about this, and someone pointed it out to Mr. Livingston that I had some material there about his vote, and you know what his comment was? If that's all Van has on me, no big deal. What does that tell me about this airhead's brain power? Or his commitment to our Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, platform of the party, and his oath of office. That, that, I was going to bring that in next, because we're already there, I think. I mean, you all, the other thing I want to talk about is that, you know, you see, and I think a lot of people see that you can articulate it to us, this con, this, what you see as the Republican platform, which you subscribe to, which you believe in, and the divergence of leadership from those principles. And let's just focus on this this NPR because this is something very concrete that people can yeah. wrap their hand around. The NPR is the national popular vote. So let me ask you this. Um, it clearly goes against the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. It clearly goes against representative democracy, which is, a, I would say, a core foundation of the Republican platform. How is it that you get leadership in the Republican Party that doesn't recognize this as almost a, I don't know, as a you know, Trojan horse? Because I, I just don't, what is it, where is the disconnect between the platform and the Republican Party? Getting elected. It boils down to It, it boils down to either being elected, getting reelected, or getting promoted, like my opponent's trying to do. And I believe so is Mr. Mesnard from the House of the Senate. That's all we need is two of the four running, these four, want to be senators now, and they haven't said they'd never vote for it again. So that means you'd now have four senators in the Senate, and you'd still have the same idiots in the House that would vote for it, and the, the lobbyist is still lobbying for this. So, so this thing would be revisited. We could have this nightmare all over again. I, I subscribe that... I've, I've heard LDs talk against the national popular vote, right? Legislative district at their meetings, then introduce one of their legislators who voted for it and applaud the idiot. So I'm trying to understand what they right. understand. And I want to be clear here to our audience too. So when he says, it's, you're saying, clarify me if I'm wrong, but just to bring it down to our audience, you're saying it's the, the, the divergence between a platform and a, a leadership is because they want to get elected. Not so much because 
these special interests can vote for them, but because they're funding their campaign. Well, I, I've got right here, I'm going to show you a handful of mailers I've got, right? Right. 80% of these mailers are paid for by outside interests other than the candidate. Right. Okay. Why would you spend thousands of dollars? I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars to mail one of these out, and they've mailed out several for each one of these people. You've got a bunch of them there. That, and they say the candidate doesn't know it. Give me a break. Number one, they must think we're stupid, especially when the lobbyist they have is promoting some of this nonsense. And these so-called groups, most of which are from the East Valley, interfering in West Valley politics, promoting people that have voted for the national popular vote. But more than that, one of them has actually put forth legislation that would make it harder on a mom and pop, say, window company that does windshields to compete with the big windshield company on TV. What is it, Safe Light? On TV, they wanted them to fill out more and more regulations, which would drive them into the poorhouse. They couldn't do it, but the big Safe Light can do it. And one of these legislators, Mr. Livingston, promoted that bill. He wanted it out of the Senate. The Senate wouldn't even bring it out of committee. I was there. He was upset about it. They're in the pockets of lobbyists and special interests. And the special interests in the East Valley are like the Chamber of Commerce, etc. They don't mind if we open restaurants in the West Valley and little mom and pop grocery stores or clothing stores, but they don't want any big industry coming to the West Valley. And this is their way of assuring we don't get it. You're going to tell me that all these people that are mailing these mailers out for just our district, LD22, are spending thousands of dollars to put someone officer in 24 grand yeah. before taxes? Yeah. No, and, and mailers yeah. are the worst way of communicating, too. They're right? terrible. They're, They're as bad as robocalls. <laughs> I, I, I had a mailer guy tell me one time, if you do your mailer, we'll do your robocalls for free, which showed me what the robocalls were worth. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And over 90% of all mailers end up in the trash. They never hit the house. People don't like them. No, no. I mean, the, these two issues are really tied together. The grassroots Republican and the idea of a disconnect between leadership and the platform. I mean, how, so how can grassroots Republicans, say like Jim O'Connell, O'Connor, O'Connor. Um, how can they get their message out? How, you know, Jim, is, Jim has traveled the state, all right? He's got billboards up, he's got signs up, he's going everywhere he can, he's getting on shows to talk, as does Dr. Branch and what's the other one? Sandra Dowling, and then over in LD21, you got Randy Miller, who's running against Rick Gray, who voted for the MPV as well, trying to get it out. The problem I see is with the voters. Yeah. The voters tend to be, they have a habit, a bad one. I don't know one voter that would eat bad food twice at the same restaurant but they'll vote for the same idiots to represent them in government. I believe basically, and I know this offends people because they're lazy. It's just easier to mark a box you remember. Mm -hmm. Well, he's been there for four years, how much worse can it be? It's like the so-called balanced budget of Arizona. Our, our budget isn't balanced. We're in debt. We're nine billion in debt, real debt. And six years ago, I believe it was, six years ago, we were around 30 some billion in debt for unfunded mandates, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're almost 50 billion in debt for unfunded mandates. That's all the retirement packages for firemen, police, right. state employees. So how can you go another 18 million, billion, billion in debt and say you're balancing the budget? Yeah. How do you do that? You're, over, you're overdrawn on your checking account. Because when all these bills come due, who's going to pay them? 
Not these idiots in the House or the Senate, or for that matter, that governor we've got, who said he just gave teachers a 20% raise with this red for ed nonsense. The state can't give teachers raises. They are employees of each school district. The state has no jurisdiction to give them raises, and the legislature knows it, but it's a good thing to run on. Right. They did this strictly to get votes, just like Prop 123. These people are pandering to voters. It's political theater. They're violating state law, statutes, and constitution by interfering in education this way, and they know it. But do they care? No, because what is it going to get them? Some teacher votes, they hope. So, so to, yeah. Well, so to be clear, what they did actually do was increase the funding per pupil, right? They looked at the formula. No, they're just going to write them a check. Oh, they didn't. They're going to write them a check. And the bad part of this is, the law states that the school, the superintendent, they're going to write checks to each individual each, district. Each district. That's how the money comes. And but, each but district, it, no, each district superintendent disperses the funds right. as they see fit. Right. They aren't under state law. Right. They aren't. They don't have to follow any law. The state right. If they say you've got to give a teacher a thousand dollar a year salary, okay, case, right. They don't have right. to do it. No, and I guess right. I did read this that they that the way they calculated the amount of the check yeah. was to look at per student yeah per student and the teacher yeah say if they're going to give a dollar per student right. each one they'll right. get that in each so district they can, will right. get but they wanted this percentage so that's how they but got, the right. school superintendent will decide where the money goes right. and my question to all the teachers in arizona how did prop one two three work out for you not real well and now this new one a hundred million dollars the governor said they don't even have the hundred million they're working on projected income that's like me getting a, an advance on my salary if I'm working on commission. The first increase, what is it, uh, 5% or something? something it, it, no, 100%. it's not going to be 5%. It, it's not law. Project, right. It's not law. The first, the first checks, which are estimated to They're going to give the school if, if right. they get the money. Right. But if they don't get the $100 million projected new income into the state, mm -hmm. we just go $100 million in debt. It ain't going to be $100 million. Trust me. If the state spends $100 million they don't have, we're looking at $500 million worth of debt. How so? Explain that. Interest, you've got to sell bonds, you've got to pay interest, you've got to make payments. How long have we been paying on that $9 billion when they sold the capital? How much interest have we been paying on that? We still owe the principal. Yeah. We have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on a $9 billion debt. If they give away $100 million to the schools and they don't, that money doesn't come in, say the economy turns around, reverses, something goes wrong, that they're projecting this money to come from, and they've raised taxes on us through increased fees for licenses or automobile licenses. That is a tax, by the way. Sure. You know, I don't care what they call it. It's a tax. If the money doesn't come in, we're going to have to pay it back. Where are we going to get it? Right. We're going to sell a bond. And then we're going to have to increase our debt. And that means we're going to pay every year. We're going to pay interest to some company on those bonds. And that will go into the hundred. Mr. Bennett himself said they did a study on this. Republicans, some other people did. It's going to be five hundred million dollars on this hundred million bucks debt. Oh, and the debt. So, gosh, isn't it nice to be a governor and a bunch of idiot legislators that can just pass whatever the governor dictates to them? The governor doesn't have the authority to dictate anything to anybody. Anybody, maybe his secretary but not to another executive branch of the government and certainly not to the legislature. He's up there to sign bills, be a manager, so to speak, but he can't manage one other department in the executive branch. 
He has no authority to tell your superintendent of public instruction, your treasurer, your attorney general, your secretary, anything. They're all elected officials. They're not appointed. He's not the president yet, which he wants to be. And he does. Doug Ducey doesn't want to stay in, in the Capitol here. I think they're all hoping for John McCain to last long enough till the primary is over in the general. And then when he, he's gone, we're going to have a, a Senator Ducey. Personal opinion. Could be wrong. You know, education is the issue. I, I wasn't going to bring this up. Um, I wanted to talk more about but You're bringing up education. You're bringing up how to fund it. Have you thought about what, what would be a constitutionally valid way to get more money um, into education? Yeah, into education. They don't need more money. They need to manage it. They are blowing money by the bushelful. They're buying books and office furniture and all this other stuff at high inflated prices from all their little co-ops. Mm. They, I was in the food industry most of my life and we had customers like Walmart's, Costco, Sam's Club, every major food chain in the country, mm -hmm. Albertsons, Rise Markets, Kroger Markets, Ralph's, all of them. Why don't they do what those people do? You have one central buying office and they make all the deals with every, when you go in a grocery store, you see thousands of items they're all bought out of one corporate office by different buyers in different categories. And they beat them down like Walmart does, and I know, because I call on them, the best price they can get. That's what they need to do at these, with these schools. There needs to be a central purchasing procurement process where all the school districts in the whole state send orders for chairs, tables, lamps, computers, whatever it is. Then that office buys everything for everybody, everybody. And they have the sellers from all these companies come in and they beat them up until they get the best price for that computer, that chair, that table, that book, whatever, it that blackboard, all the paper they need in elementary schools, everything. And then that order is filled and shipped directly to the school. No warehouse, right. no games, no storage, directly. That would cut our cost of procurement from anywhere from 30 to 50%. There's your savings, and you take all of that money and you put it in the school. Yeah, that's three, four you give million dollars. Right plenty. There. And you give teachers raises, and you set up a merit system for teachers so you can also give them bonuses. Yeah, I like that. I like, okay. I like rewarding you, good teachers. You, I don't have a problem with that. What about, though, I mean, are, is, this sounds like district consolidation? Is that different that's, idea? That's a whole other idea. This is consolidating procurement. Just Which has nothing to do with the classroom. Okay. It has nothing to do with how you run your office or your cafeteria. And that's another thing. I do not agree that you're going to ask me to pay someone that washes dishes at a cafeteria or someone that cooks a certain salary. Mm -hmm. Those are entry-level jobs when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I started out washing dishes and shining shoes. Right. I ended up as a vice president of the corporation. I did that by learning more and taking chances. If I wasn't making enough where I was, I found a better job. That's the way it should be. To ask government to tell me how much to pay somebody, a school teacher is a school teacher. A janitor is not a school teacher. It's a necessity. I have a great deal of respect for one. I used to be one when I was in high school. I mopped floors at Safeway Markets on the graveyard shift and then got up. I got home at four in the morning, got up at seven to go to school. Mm -hmm. So I understand what janitors do, what dishwashers do. I worked in a restaurant frying food. I understand all of this. It's got nothing to do with that. But we also need to take back our schools and we need to put vocational training in our schools. Not in, after you get out of high school, 
when I got out of, when I got out of high school, I was ready for a job. But before we get out, I like the vocational training. I, I want to talk about that. But before we get off that, you're saying, and I, I think I caught what you're saying is we can't tell the gov- the state government shouldn't be telling administrators of schools what to pay their teachers. And their no, that's, that's that's between the parents. And the school board at the local level board, right. at this point. I do believe there needs to be some consolidation. So you do, okay, yeah. I and I do believe you need to tier, tier salaries, say a, a, ba- a, ma- a bas- bachelor degree versus a master's degree, okay. and, and even go farther so, than so that. What kind of grade that. level did you get when you got your bachelor's? Were you a C student or an A? Okay. If you were an A student with a bachelor's, right, and I'm a C student with a bachelor's, why would we get the same entry level pay yeah. when I did better? Then you do a vetting process or an interview process, and you see which one has really got more physical talent to teach kids. Right. Can really inspire children, say, to learn history or some dull business class like how to add, which is important. They, they actually require fine arts in high school now. Fine arts, like drawing, etc. Mm-hmm. I can barely make a straight line with a ruler. Fine arts never, I, I don't care. I wasn't wired for it. I had a bro- brothers that were, but I love business classes, but they're not required. Mm. So the very thing that teaches you how to balance a checkbook, that's not required. But drawing a picture is. Does that make sense? You, it's like the, the patients have taken over the insane asylum. Socialists run our school systems. They have these mental ideas of what people should be. And so they try to form them in that direction. Each child is an individual. They're all wired differently. Some kids are not wired for college. They just aren't. I know guys that went to college and finished that have never held a college job their whole life. One guy I know is a carpenter. I mean, some of those shows you watch on TV, though, Home Network, that guy and his wife, he, he's got a college degree and he remodels homes, right? My insurance agent in the Midwest, when I owned a lot of property back there, college degree, he sold insurance and made mats for houses. You understand? His wife had a college degree. She stocked shelves at a Walmart at night. I mean, come on. I never got a college degree, and I was a vice president calling on Walmart. So figure it out. Yeah. We're not all wired for college. Yeah, no, that's but important. What's wrong with being a UPS driver? No. Or a FedEx driver? Or a Frito-Lay driver? Or a bread driver? I know people that are delivering bread making 100 grand a year, and their retirement is great. You won't make that if you're a school teacher. And I don't also like the double dipping that goes on in our state and county governments, where you get 20 years in one place, you retire, you go get 20 years, you get another one. No, one retirement, that's it. You get one that you don't get, you know, we're going to go broke with all of this. Hmm. We can't fund it now. Give me, give me an example of that, because what you're saying is so you, you, you start at 20 years old, you work uh, in, in what, an agency for 20 years, and you get your... Um, you get a retirement you package. Get a, you get a defined... Hire, yeah, you can plan. retire right. from that, say you're right. teaching over here. Right. right. Or you can be a policeman. Or you can be a policeman. Or a fireman. You do right. the same and thing. The same thing with our military, right? You get a defined benefit uh, package. Plan, package. And once it, but with the military, once you've been in 20, 25 years, you, can't, you ain't going to do that again. Right. Okay. You can go out and get another retirement, but it's got nothing to do with the military. It's got nothing to do with the U.S. government. But here, you can work for one state agency for 20, then another, like the college system. My God, the retirement programs of colleges and that. That's another thing. Funding. I want someone to explain to me why everybody was promised all this lottery money, but the only one that gets it is the colleges. K through 12 don't get any lottery money. How much money are we talking about? Two and three million? Billions. Oh, billions in lottery? Think about all the money since the lottery's been in Arizona. Right, right. How much money do you think the schools have gotten? 
Well, from, no, my understanding, basis, from my understanding, from my understanding, it's hard to say. It depends yeah. on what, what's okay. one. But from my understanding, K through twelve's gotten zero. Really, and, it's and the colleges get all the money. That money yeah. from the lottery, the colleges, their education yeah. is going to but higher they all education. Thought, yeah, it's going to higher education. Doesn't really need it. They've got. They're building their platforms, or their whatever you want to call them. The colleges more buildings all the time. Yeah, you've got empty classrooms in those colleges that they never even use. They're closed on the weekends, and they're empty at night. So better space management would require less building and less money. You can't do that so much to a first grader, but you can certainly do that to a college kid. Let's, There's just talking about education, I'd like to, to, to give us, and we're getting on a 30 minute mark here, and that's usually where I, but if there was three things that as a legislator, you would advocate for to improve higher education, um, K through twelve education that the legislature can do. Not that, that as the legislature, okay, the legislature should I believe, do constitutionally. They can do give constitutionally us, and, and budget. They can they can do it legislatively. It's work, and that's why most of them don't want to do it. You can get state statutes passed, system wise, to pull in all of the procurement. Okay. Have a statewide but office. Because you're funding schools, right? Right. So if you take the money for all the supplies out, okay. And form your own. You, they'll have, this is where you're going to buy it. Okay. So they you all, save money. All, you'd save and hundreds, saying, of hundreds of millions, and the schools would get it back for the classroom. Right. That's one. Okay. Number two, vocational training needs to go in all schools from seventh grade on. Okay. So the kids have a choice, and I would require children to take business classes as a requirement. They need to. They need to know how to balance a checkbook. Yeah. Basic common financial yeah. sense. Call common it basic business good. or. Basic, yeah. That's all. That when I started in school in ninth grade, I took a class called Basic Business. Yeah. And that's what it taught you. But it also taught you how to run a business. There was all that underlying stuff. And everything you do in life is a business, even your home. Right. It's, if you're personal buying a finance, lamp, if you're mowing a lot. finance. It's all yeah. got to do. It's and the better you manage your money, the more you have, the less you pay, mm -hmm. and the better you live. Which gives you a great deal of comfort. Yeah. And, it does, and security. But we need to start looking at children as individuals and allowing the talent of the child to set the schedule for what they're going to take in school and give them the subjects there they can take. There are classes that I took in school in the 60s that made me able to get the jobs I got that you now have to go to college to get. Right. Bookkeeping one, bookkeeping two, salesmanship, management, that's now in college. And you can take fine arts in high school. What's wrong with these people? You want to take fine arts? Go to college. But I don't agree, and, and vocational training is a key. I do not understand why we're spending money with all these private vocational companies so the kid gets out of high school, then he's got to go pay someone to teach him how to do something. Right. When if you put it back in the schools, you could get your air conditioning companies, your painters, your auto mechanics to do some apprentice work there. So you could actually have a fully licensed air conditioning man or mechanic when he graduated and have a job probably the Monday afterwards. If you After want high school, yeah. you know, go right from school to employment, which makes him a better citizen better able to face the world and what he's doing. And I'm sure some parents would love to see their 18-year-olds move out of house by the time they're 20. This was enable them to do it. Your economy would boom this way hmm. because they've already proven your junior colleges. I think the failure right there is close to 80%. Is it? You're talking about these two-year community Two-year community colleges. Okay. They, don't, they don't, not that many kids graduate out of that. They go, they get frustrated, they drop out. Yeah. 
One of the reasons they drop out, that's not where they're supposed to be. Right. We're all different. Why, why do we want to make robots? Why do we want every kid on the same path when they're not? We don't make every kid play football in school, do we? Because every kid can't do it. We don't make every kid play baseball. Not every kid does certain things. So why do we want every kid as a mandate, you have got to take, you have got to take fine arts. When I was in school, you had to take one year of math, one year of science. You had four years of English, four years of history, civics, etc. But that was it. And then you chose. I never took vocational training. I didn't work well with saws and machinery. I liked business classes. I took typing for two reasons. One, I wanted to learn how. The other, I was the only guy in the class. <laughs> that was great. But I liked business classes. I liked numbers. I liked figuring out solutions to problems. And I was wired like that. And I did well in business because of it. But we've got to give our kids the opportunity that we had when we were young, or I was in the 60s. I got out of high school, I had a good job, almost paying what my teachers made. I was 18 years old with a good job, my own car, right? What happens today? You got 18, 19, 20 year olds riding skateboards. Why? I mean, when I was a kid in school, you did, in high school, you didn't ride a bike. You walked before you'd ride a bike. Bikes were for children. Not adults. I realize the culture's changed a little bit, but I still don't get, I don't grasp the fact when I'm seeing these kids 25 years old living at home without a decent job, with no hope. When you take the hope away or the future away from a child, what are they saddled with their whole life? Less paying jobs, less opportunity, less hope. Our nation is built on hopes. It really is. And when you take that away from your youth, What's the next generation going to give you? You want to know why all these dreamers or whatever you want to call them are, are the way they are, these, this well, millennial generation. Okay, yeah, dreamers. Yeah. There's another a lot of people, yeah, that's another. We're Sorry. not talking about the... I look at dreamers as DACA. kids with a dream. We're not talking about DACA. I'm not talking about DACA, but you look at these young people that are, have no hope, millennials. Why? You're not preparing them. There's, there's kids that are 19, 20 years old. Inside of them is a mechanic or a bread driver or whatever, right. but you never gave them that opportunity when they were growing up. And you can watch kids play with tools and different things. You can see it when they're little. So why don't you just let them go where they want to go? Here, you're in junior high. You want to take wood shop? You want to take metal shop? Oh, wow, yeah. Let them. I have it. I have it. Back yeah, in my so age, I. I'm older. I have wood shop and metal shop. They don't do that now. And welding. Yeah. yeah. But if, if we'd have... We'd have, and then you could have technical classes there because your big computer companies are now hiring people that are able to do certain things on computers that don't need four years of college to do. Right. So you could put so that, that training, good. that vocational training could go into high school too for the kids that are kind of techy. Explain that, yeah. When you talk about that vocational training, you're meaning training in certain... Like, Techs, data entry, computer yeah. science. Or, or, or programming, Programming. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, using but, certain software, maybe it's not learning a whole new programming no. language, but maybe it's using... Enough to get you a job at one of your local companies here in Arizona, right. and they are hiring people that know these things. So why aren't we preparing them in high school, junior... I mean, these kids can do stuff at six years old I can't do on a computer. Yeah. No, I've seen that, um, that yeah, a lot of these, uh, like... Yeah. They're advertising, here, now get the skills that'll get you the job, yeah. and they have a list of, you know, it's not, it's not like programming languages like we learn, like no. basic, but it's a list of 
of programs that you need to know to be able to to add value to the company. That's right. Um, whatever it may be. Why don't we and look, at, pick them up why don't we look at the weeks. one ads? Why don't right. we look at the one ads, the opportunities, and make our schools fit them? Right, providing, yeah. That seems like the biggest, I've heard it said so many times here, a computer science degree is pretty much worthless. You, you, after you graduate with a four-year computer science degree, you still have to go back and learn That's right. the technology or the, or the... So why don't we start teaching them right. in junior high, and some of them already know more than the teachers do then, and let them when they get out, because the, there are kids that are wired that way. That's mm -hmm. what they do. There are kids that are wired that like to work on cars. There are kids that are wired that like to paint. I'm talking houses, our cars. Mm. There's people, that, truck drivers. We've got a shortage of truck drivers. We, we are short over 100,000 truck drivers. you got people that like to travel and see the country. Maybe they'd only do it for five years. But hey, for five years, they could see this whole country. And I, trust me, I've traveled this country. It's really something to see. I have no desire to go to Europe at all. There's parts of this country I still haven't seen. I traveled, what was it, 56,000 miles when I ran against Jeff Lake in Arizona. I've seen about every part of Arizona you can imagine. And it, there's some really great places to see here. There really are. And then there's miles of sand, you know. There's some beauty in that too. But we can do this if we just get our heads out of where they are and stop letting the so-called experts tell us how to educate our children. Well, and who are, who are these experts? Most of them have got college degrees. Okay. When I was in high school, we were told, without a high school diploma, you'll never get a job. Right. I had a job before I had my diploma. And then it started, without college, you're never gonna get anywhere. Right? Where did that idea come from? My question to everybody is, how did we get to the moon? How did we win two world wars? Do these people today understand they're standing on the shoulders of every generation before them, many of which couldn't even read? Our country started on the East Coast and traveled West. I had a teacher one time at an event say, we're now a mobile nation. So I, ha I had to respond to this. I said, when weren't we? We didn't have airplanes back in the 16, 17, 1800s to the early 1900s. We didn't have cars. We didn't have all that. But somehow people made it from Maine and New Hampshire all the way to California, Oregon, and Alaska. They got on oxen, horseback, or they used their two feet to walk there but they got there. Our whole country was settled before the automobile was created, or the airplane. We are a creative people, and we're stymieing that creation in our children by not allowing them to exercise their God-given talent from the time they're like 11 or 12, because you can see it in your kids. I know parents have told me, they have kids they can see how they do with blocks, or they do with this, <coughs> excuse me, or even on computers. Why not let them get educated through those years? Well, Van, this was a great uh, episode. Probably one of my best. And I thank you so much. You're welcome for joining me. And uh, I will have for you listeners uh, links to his website and all of his content in the about this episode section. So check it out if you want to learn more about Van. Thanks, Van. Thank and you. You've just been listening to another episode of Add Your Two Cents. I know. Don't try to blame me, cause I